you would, if, raise your hand if you went Black Friday shopping this year. Anybody go Black Friday shopping? There's not, if you went Black Friday shopping, please stand up. If you went Black Friday shopping, Rick, your hand's up, but you're not standing up. There we go. All right, if you went Black Friday, okay, if you were out between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m., stay standing. That's what I'm talking about. All right, if you were out between midnight and 6 a.m., stay standing. Ooh, lost some people there. All the young people in there. All right, 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. If you were out any time between that, stay standing. Oh, we still got some people up. All right, 2 a.m. or 4 a.m.? If you were out at 3 a.m., stay standing. Give those people a hand. Those are the people that are like the ultimate, ultimate Black Friday. Like, they're the professionals. I'm sure they have some of the greatest stories that you could ever hear being told. But that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. I was just curious of who were the craziest people in our church that stayed out till the wee hours of the night fighting the crowds. I was out till about 11.30. We started at about 8 p.m. And we killed it. I think I got everything I had to get on my Christmas list in about three and a half hours, except things, anything for myself. I didn't give myself anything, but that's okay. Feel free to get me a Christmas present. But let's go ahead and open up in prayer, and then we're going to get started today. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to stand before these people and to present your gospel, present your word to them. God, I pray that you spend this time with us and help me to speak clearly and effectively to them. And God, I pray that we just have an incredible day together. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. I graduated high school in the spring of 2009. And in that spring semester of everybody who's graduated high school, you know that in that last half of your senior year of high school, everybody's talking about what school they're going to go to, what, who's their dorm mates, what, what is their degree going to be in. And I was sitting in class one day, and that's when reality struck me, that, oh my goodness, like this is really going to happen. I actually do have to go to college. And so some of my friends were sitting there, and they're talking about what school they were going to go to. I was like, hey, what school are y'all going to? And like, well, we're going to Southern Polytechnic State University, and they're saying, telling me what their degree is going to be and everything. I was like, son of a gun, that's where I'm going. And so I then went home and applied to Southern Poly, <laughs> and I was like, well, what degrees do they even offer? And so I go through the list, and I see that they offer a degree in civil engineering, and I was like, you know what? always wanted to be a civil engineer. I think that's what I'm going to do. And so I went back to school and I told my right, guys, we're going to college together. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And we went to register and I got signed up for classes and the fall started and I started my freshman year of college and the excitement was there and I'm going to build the next greatest bridge and I'm going to build all of the most amazing roadways and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to build an Audubon in the U.S. It's going to be awesome. And then it really hit me that I hate engineering, that I am not good at math whatsoever. And so that started the long and crazy journey that I've been on of seven different majors in four different colleges. I'm not, I'm not making those numbers up. If you would, just please hug my parents as they leave today and just tell them you're so sorry that their son cannot make up his mind on what he wanted to do this summer of 2011, I was at one of my lower points. And that fall, I was actually going to be transferring up to Cleveland, Tennessee, to Lee University, and I was going to get a degree in business up there. 
And I was just at a low place that summer and not, not doing everything how I should be doing it. And, and I had always been a leader since I graduated high school for the youth group at the Marietta campus. And so that summer, summer camp was coming up, and I was going to go. And I kept, I kept kind of going back and forth of, I don't really think I should go because I'm not, I'm not in a place where I can really pour into these students' lives. And, and I, but I do want to go because it's a lot of fun. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go to camp, and I'm just going to be a part of it. I don't really want to be a part of any of the spiritual aspects, but I'm just going to go and hang out with the students, and I'm going to be the most fun leader they've ever seen because I am the funnest guy on staff. Yeah. But so I went to that summer camp, and while I was there, God absolutely just turned my life upside down. Everything that I had been going through, just it was such an incredible week of connecting to God on a deeper level than I felt like I had ever connected to him. And I got back from camp, and I ended a relationship that I was in, and I, just, and I started saying, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do for my life? What is it that you want me to be? Who do you want me to be, God? And the first thing that God told me was, don't go to Lee. And I was like, what? Why wouldn't I go to Lee? Like, I kind of see Lee in Cleveland, Tennessee. Like, there's Jerusalem. Like, that's the holy place. And then it's like Cleveland is right under it. It's the international headquarters for Church of God. It's Lee University. I think there's more pastors in the city than all other people combined. I was like, God, why would you not want me to go to Lee? I would, so, I would grow so much closer to you. And he just kept telling me, don't go to Lee. So I went to my parents and I said, hey, I don't think I'm going to go to Lee. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to stay in school where I'm at. At that time, I was attending Georgia Highlands. And when I made that decision, I was frustrated. I didn't understand what God's point was for having me do that. And right around the time that school started, I got a text message from Pastor Jeremy. And in that text, he just said, hey, let's go to lunch. And immediately I knew that that meant we were going to Mexican. Because if you know anything about Pastor Jeremy, it's that he loves Mexican food and will Amen. probably eat that five times. This. That's not an exaggeration. Amen. And so I was like, absolutely. I'll go. I love Mexican food. And I know I love free food. And so I met him at La Perea on the Marietta Square. And we sat down and we just caught up. And we just talked about life and how things have been going and everything. And then in the middle of the conversation, he just kind of stopped us and said, hey, I want to talk to you about something. He said, myself and Pastor Mark and a team of people have been looking at the idea of opening up a second campus of Mount Perrin North. And I was like, that's really cool. Like, that's awesome. And he kind of told me some of those details and things. And he goes, Pastor Mark came to me and Corey and asked if we'd be the campus pastors. I was like, man, that's awesome. Congrats. I'm so happy for you guys. I'm so glad that y'all have that, have that opportunity to do this. And I asked him where it's going to be. And he said, it's going to be in a high school up in, up in Cherokee County called Sequoia High School. I was like, I think I've been there for a football game once. That's awesome. He then went on to say, I'd like for you to come with us. And I kind of looked at him, and he said, you know, I want you to join in our serving teams and help us in the setup and teardown process. But I know that you're a part of the youth group here and at the Marietta campus, and I know that you're a leader, and I'm not wanting to take you away from that. But I know that you lead a life group here, so I know you know how to do it, and I'd love for you to just come and help me to start a life group for students. I don't know what it'll look like. I don't know if that'll meet every other week or once a month or what, what it'll be, but I just, I don't even know if a student will show up when we have a church up there. He said, but I just love for you to come and to help start a life group for students. And him as my witness, I just broke down and cried in the middle of La Perea. I looked up from my nachos because they've got the world's greatest nachos. And I just cried. 
And I just started pouring out to him what had been going on in my heart of how I had been at this place of kind of at a crossroads of, God, what are you wanting me to do with my life? And I knew more in that moment, sitting in that restaurant, that God had a will and a purpose for my life. God was changing the course of who I was going to be. There's a man in the Bible that had quite a journey himself. His name is Jonah. See, Jonah was a man who, had, who was called by God to go to a city called Nineveh. And God said, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. I need you to go, and I need you to tell these people about me. It's an evil city. It's an evil place. And unless they turn to me, and unless they change their ways, I'm going to have to destroy the city. And Jonah was like, no, I'm not going to do it, God. God, I'm not going to Nineveh. I, re- I refuse to go. And God's like, no, Jonah, I, I really need you to do this. It's like, I'm not going to do it, God. And so instead of just even staying there, he said, and I'm going to make this point really, really strong to God, and I'm just going to go in the opposite direction. So the Bible tells us that Jonah gets on a boat to go to the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. And while he was on this boat, and you can read this story for yourself, Jonah's only a four-chapter book, and it's incredible. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. But it says that he gets on a boat going in the opposite direction, and there's a terrible storm that comes up. And the men that were on the boat were so afraid that they were going to all die on the storm that it gets to the point of the only thing possible for them to save themselves is to throw Jonah off the boat. And so we know that the story continues on, that then he's swallowed by the whale and he lives for three days, and then he's spit back up on the dry ground. And we know all of that stuff. But I try to think sometimes in the mind of what did the men on that boat think at that point? They probably just thought, we just threw this guy off and he just died and we killed him. They probably, I don't know, maybe they ran into him like years later and it kind of scared him a little bit. Like, I swear that's that same guy that we killed on the boat. I don't know. I don't know if those kind of things happen, but I kind of read into those type things. But we know that the story continues. And in Jonah chapter 2, there's four verses I'm going to read. Jonah chapter 2 is a prayer that Jonah is praying from within the belly of the fish to God. And I'm going to read two chapters. I'm going to read two verses, verse 2 and 3, and then I'm going to skip ahead and read verse 5 and 6. And verse 2 says this. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realms of the depth I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea, and in the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. To the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. I can't imagine what the moments right after Jonah was thrown off the boat were like for him. You know, the Bible doesn't really tell us if like, as soon as he's thrown off the boat, like the whale like catches him in midair and he never touches the water. It doesn't tell us if he, if he fought in the water for hours and hours trying to survive. But I kind of, the way that this reads, I kind of think that that's maybe what happened. That Jonah was thrown off and he's fighting and the waves are breaking over his head. And maybe he like swallowed some water and started coughing and that kind of burned some more energy. And maybe he got a cramp in his leg from treading water for so long. And he finally like reached up and took that last breath and then started to sink down into the water. And as he sinks down, it says that the seaweed was wrapped around his head. Maybe he got down to a point where he was wrapped up in it and he got a little extra strength of thinking I'm fixing to die. And he starts kicking and fighting it. And then maybe at that moment he's swallowed by the whale. The Bible doesn't clearly tell us at what point in that 
But the story is, goes in the way that Jonah gets to the point of sitting in the belly of the fish, and that's when he had hit rock bottom. He's sitting there and he's saying, okay, God, you've given me this second chance. What are you wanting me to do with it? So God had called Jonah to the city of Nineveh, and he had gone in the other direction. And it took an encounter that changed his life forever for Jonah to say, okay, God, here I am, I'm listening. It took him sitting in the belly of the fish to realize that God wasn't messing around when he said, I need you to go to Nineveh. It wasn't until he was in the belly of the fish that Jonah realized and saw that God had a destiny and a purpose for his life. There's three things that I want us to look at this morning from Jonah's story to help us in life change. And the first is this, and these are going to be on the screen. The first thing that we can learn from Jonah's story is that change isn't always easy. See, for Jonah, this change wasn't easy at all. There's no part of the story of Jonah of him in the belly of the fish or him getting thrown off of the boat or him getting puked back out three days later. There's no part of the story of Jonah to me that seems easy. There's no part of it that seems like that was a walk in the park and that he'd do it all over again. But sometimes it's not about doing what's the most easy thing to do. Sometimes it's about doing what God's will is and God's purpose is for your life. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. We can't get burnt out and can't get sick of doing the good things. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Life's going to get hard. You're going to have some really, really, really difficult choices that you're going to have to make. Most of us have probably faced those in our lives, and sometimes it seems unfair, but we're probably going to have to face some of those difficult decisions again. But we can't ever lose sight of what God's will is for our lives. We can't ever lose sight of what He would have us to do. And just like this verse says, we can't become weary in doing the good. Some of the hardest decisions to make are some of the greatest decisions that you'll ever make. See, for me, it wasn't an easy decision to not go to Lee. I wanted to go, and I wanted to go bad. All of my friends were up there, and when I saw them putting pictures of intramural softball games, when I saw them posting a picture on Instagram of them loading their car to go up there, when they were moving into the same dorm building that I had been assigned, when they were hanging out with the same people that I knew were going to be my dorm mates, When all of those things were going on, I wanted to be up there so bad. But sometimes the hardest decisions that we have to make turn out to be some of the greatest decisions that we could ever make. Change is hard. But the Bible tells us that we will never face anything that we can't overcome. You can get through the change. The second thing that we can learn from the story of Jonah is that change doesn't just affect you. One of the most incredible parts of this story to me that I feel like it sometimes gets gets overlooked is Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3 is the part of the story where Jonah, after he's out of the well, God again tells him, hey, I need you to go to the city of Nineveh. And he says, okay, I'll go. And so he gets to the city and it tells us that it's a big city, that it took him three days to get from one end of the city to the other end of the city. 
and that God had given this city 40 days to turn to him or he was going to destroy the city. Now Jonah went to the city and he started walking through it and started telling all of the people of the city, hey God, you need to turn to God. Hey, God loves you. And he starts just telling them and proclaiming the goodness of God to these people. And his warnings and his And his words were getting all the way to the ruler of the city. And the ruler put in place a 40-day fast throughout the city. The ruler of the city said, okay, all of the people of this city, we're going to turn to God. We're going to fast. We're going to pray to God. We're going to draw closer to him. And this is what, this is how chapter 3 ends. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10, it says this. When God saw what they had did, and how they turned from their evil ways. He relented and not, did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. You may say, Trevor, that's great and that's wonderful. What's the point? The point is this. Jonah had a choice to make. And his choice was after, God had, or after he had encountered this moment in the belly of the whale with God, he had the choice to make of, am I going to now listen and obey God Am I going to now follow in the path that God has placed before my life? Am I going to do the will of God for my life? Or am I going to again choose to go in the opposite direction? And now when he chose to go to Nineveh, that impacted and that changed Jonah's life forever. But I think of the story, and I think to myself sometimes, like, what if he would have chose not to? Now, I don't know, maybe Jonah had a next-door neighbor named Bob, and if Jonah would have again said no, God would have said, Bob, I need you to go to Nineveh, and Bob would have gone, and the same outcome would have happened. But what if that's not the case? What if Jonah would have said, no, I'm not going to go? Would God have destroyed Nineveh? See, our change, when we choose to live for God, when we choose to make the choices that God has placed into our lives for us to live in His will, our change doesn't just affect us. Who are the people in your life that God has placed you in their lives that you're the only person that can have an impact in their heart? I think for Jonah, that might have been the city of Nineveh. I think that the city of Nineveh, the people that lived there, that was the people group, that was the people that God had placed Jonah in this world to reach those people. And if he would have said again, God, I know that was incredible. I don't know how I survived in there for three days, but somehow I did. Like you worked a miracle there. Like that's crazy stuff. But God, I'm still not going to go. What would have happened to those people? Your change doesn't just affect you. Maybe your change would affect your family. Maybe your change will affect your kids. Maybe your change will affect your coworkers. Maybe your change will affect the guy you buy a chicken biscuit at Chick-fil-A from every morning. But when we change our hearts and we say, God, I just want to live for you. God, I just want to do the will and purpose that you've placed in my life. Other than you, who is that going to change? Me not going to Lee didn't just affect me. I sometimes think, like, if I wouldn't have gone, would I have ever had that conversation with Pastor Jeremy sitting in a Mexican restaurant? If I would have gone, would I have ever heard about Canton Campus? 
If I would have never heard of campus, would I have ever gone into the ministry? If I would have never gone into the ministry, would I be standing on this stage right here, right now? Would I have the relationships that I have with some of the people of this campus? Would I have encountered God in the ways that I have with some of the students in our ministry here? Our change doesn't just affect us. The third thing that we can learn from the story of Jonah is that God directs change. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. When we have life change happening, it's not just us making a decision. It's God moving in our lives. When we feel like we've hit a wall that we've ran into the end and we don't know where to turn next, all we have to do is turn to God. I mean, Scripture tells us, for I know the plans I have for you. We're not doing this life alone. God is right there, and when we do something, He knows it's coming. None of the, none of the things that happen in your life is catching God off guard. For I know the plans I have for you. Sometimes I have to read that verse, and I have to say, because I, I'll, I'll wake up some mornings and I'm like, God, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I living the life that you want me to live? And sometimes I have to wake up and I have to say, for God knows the plans he has for Trevor, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper Trevor and plan not to harm Trevor. Plans to give Trevor a hope and a future. And maybe for some of you, you need to do the same thing. That you feel like you're so far from God. That you feel like you're living your own life and he's nowhere involved in it. That you've got some huge choices that you've got to make before you. And you don't know which choice to make. You feel like there's some changes that you want to make in your life, but you don't know if they're directed by God. And my challenge to you is for you to say, God, you know the plans you have for me. None of this is catching you off guard. See, for Jonah... It took a belly of a fish encounter for him to realize that God had a will and a purpose for his life, that he had a destiny for him. For me, it took a summer camp experience of God just grasping hold of my heart in a deeper and greater way than he ever had. And it was a conversation sitting in a Mexican restaurant. Earlier, I had said that my story was similar to Jonah's story. Junior year of my high school, in the summer of 2008, I went to summer camp as a high schooler, just as a student attending camp. And when we got off the buses in Panama City for summer camp, we were each handed a notebook. And that night at service, we were all challenged to just journal what God does in our lives this week at camp. And I'm, I've never been much of a journaler, and I wish I did it now more than I do. But I was just like, all right, whatever, I'll do it this week. This is the, this is the notebook that I had that year at camp. 
And when I left the Mexican restaurant that day, knowing that God had put before me the path that I was to lead for the rest of my life, that I knew that I was called into the ministry, I remembered this notebook. And on Tuesday night of my junior year of high school camp, after service that night, I went back to my room and when all the guys in my room were cutting up and being about as smart as when you put 18 11th graders in the same room can possibly be, I was laying in my bunk bed and I pulled this journal out and this is what I wrote. Tuesday night. I feel that I grew so close to God tonight. Pastor Jeremy had all of the leaders line up front to pray for us. And while I went up for prayer and God really touched my heart. I apologize for everything tonight. I feel so much closer to God. And this is the part that when I was driving home that day from lunch with Pastor Jeremy that I remember and I tore my room apart looking. Because I had put this. I feel like I got a calling to be in the ministry. Which scares me to death. But... If I really feel that's what God wants me to do, then I'm going to do it passionately with all heart. God, thank you for everything you did tonight. My Jonah experience was that I had felt that as a junior in high school, and I ran from God to seven different majors at four different colleges, trying to run off to Lee. God had a will and a purpose for my life, and he does for yours too. But sometimes it takes a belly of a fish encounter for us to ever realize that we have the strength and the capability to make those changes. I knew I was called. I wasn't called to Nineveh, but I was called to Canton. I was called for the students that attend this high school, the students that attend Dean Rusk Middle School next door, students that attend the high school down the road or the middle school down the road. Pastor Blake wasn't called to Nineveh, but Pastor Blake was called for the students or for the children that are in those hallways right now. Pastor Jeremy wasn't called to Nineveh. He was called to a city of Canton, Georgia. I've got three questions that I want us to look at and then I'm going to close and the first is this what are the difficult things in your life that you need to change what are the things that have been going on what are the things that you've either been doing you need to stop doing or the things that you're not doing that you need to start doing but what are those hard things that are fighting against you and your relationship with God that you've got to change Second question is this. Who is God wanting to use you to reach? I just said who he's using me to reach, who Pastor Jeremy to reach, Pastor Blake to reach. But who is he wanting to use you to reach? Who's that person 
that every time you make eye contact with, you feel like you're supposed to talk to them, but you're too scared and you can't do it. And so you just keep on walking and you look away. Or you pull out your phone and you fake a phone call. Who are the people that he has purposely placed in your life to say you're the only one that can reach them? You're the only one who can have an influence in their life. You're the only one that they'll listen to. That he's wanting you to reach them, to change their life forever. And the third one is this, and it's very similar to the first one. But what is the change that God is wanting to bring about in your life? What is he wanting to change? What is he wanting to do in you that you haven't allowed him to do? If you would have told me three years ago that I'd be standing here on this stage talking to you people, I told you you were crazy. But the good news is, is I'm not in control. Got it. And just like for my life, the way that he has directed my steps, he will do the same thing for you. But all it takes is for you to just say, God, here I am. Use me. God, I know that you have a plan for my life. Reveal yourself to me in a deeper way. He's probably not going to write it on the wall. And if he does, take a picture and send it to me because I've never seen that. He's probably not audibly going to tell you. But if you just open up your heart and you give God some of your day. And you just say, God, speak to me. Speak into my life. What do you want the changes in my life to be? He's going to reveal himself to you. It may not be in the belly of a fish. But God can bring change into your life. I'm going to close in prayer. But as I do, I just challenge you to just, if you feel like there's things in your life to change, I just challenge you to just cry out to God. I challenge you to just pray. After service ends, after Pastor Jeremy comes up, as the blessing and the benediction, there's going to be a group of people that are going to come down and stand in front of the stage that are here to pray for you, to pray with you, to be a voice, to be an ear if you need an ear. But if there's anything going on in your life, dealing with what I've talked about this morning or not, there's going to be a group of people here for you to pray with. But if you would, go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes, and I'm going to close this in prayer. God, I thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you for life change. I thank you for stories like Jonah's that show us that even when we try to run from you, you still find a way to grasp our attention. God, I pray for every person in this room that might be going through a life-changing situation or a moment in their life that they feel that they need to change some things. God, I pray that you give them strength to do so. I pray that you allow people to feel the life-changing effects of you in their lives. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.